but it was a big, uh, one of the biggest thrills in our career was when uh, we were asked to appear at the, on the Opry. The new rule from now on is we'll only deal with, we'll only bring one monkey into the studio at a time. So <laughs> control it. So that I was in a play with his daughter, Amy, and he came and he was so nice to everybody. He seems yeah, like a very guy. down to earth. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. We played him last time to Clarksville and a couple of other rec songs that we had and that we'd worked up uh, the arrangement for. And he was blown away and he said, go book the studio. You guys are back on the project. Hello, everybody. Hey, Cal. Today, I'm really excited because we have a really exciting guest. He's one half of a duo that has sold over a hundred million, hundred million, that is, records, right? And uh, he's in the Musicians Hall of Fame. Uh, he actually wrote a song that was nominated for an Academy Award uh, for a film called Tender Mercies. We have the uh, very talented and prolific songwriter, Mr. Bobby Hart of Voice and Heart. Welcome him. <laughs> Yay. 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 We're so excited, Bobby. We're really yeah. excited to meet you. And your music has had such an influence on our lives and it stirs. Well, I have a lot of friends awesome. that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a lot of friends that um, were huge fans of the monkeys. I know you wrote songs all oh, during the sixties and the seventies, yeah. right? And um, I wanted to ask you straight away about the monkeys. Um, when they came to you and asked you for Voice and Heart to write most of the songs for the Monkees, were you guys, were you excited or were you, um, did you have any hes hesitancy about it? None whatsoever. Uh, we took a meeting before, uh, before the uh, show was cast and they told us what they had in mind, the two producers, <clears throat> Bob Rafelson and Bert Schneider, and they said they wanted to do uh, what they called American Beatles on television, and they would cast new 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 guys, and uh, but they would use the techniques and the styling of Help and Hard Day's Night that they saw in the in the uh, in the Beatles movies, and so no, we we knew it was a great idea. We remembered when uh, Ricky Nelson uh, started singing on Ozzy and the Ozzy and Harriet show way back before you guys were born, probably. <laughs> But we knew how important that was to have the promotion of uh, of a weekly television show combined with record sales. And so we were very excited about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I know um, when I told some of my friends that when I told some of my friends that you were going to be on today, they were just like beside themselves because uh, I have a lot of friends that are songwriters. I am myself. And uh, they were like, oh, my gosh, Bobby Hart's going to be on your show. Um, yeah. I saw a documentary, actually our mutual friend Barry took me to see that documentary that you guys were in, it's called Voice and Heart, uh, the guys that wrote him, right? This the guys that wrote him, uh, where that came from was 10 years after the monkeys uh, came on the scene. If you like our videos, go ahead and click on like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And oh, so... Uh, two of the monkeys were not interested in touring. And so we put a group together called Dolan's Jones Voice and Heart. And the subtitle was the guys who wrote them and the guys who sang them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we were the guys who wrote them, of course. <laughs> um, in the documentary, they talked about, and I wanted to ask you about this, they talked that you and Tommy met at the Brill Building. And I didn't know if that was true. And for 
people who don't know about the Brill Building, I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, of course, the first half of the 60s, the center of the music business was in New York. And basically, it all took place in two, two uh, high-rise buildings. One was 1650 Broadway, and then catacorded right across the street was 1619 Broadway, which was the Brill Building. And of course, we uh, frequented both of those buildings quite, uh, quite often. And uh, had my first hits back as a songwriter back there uh, with Tommy and with a guy named Wes Farrell. Uh, the first, first one being a Chubby Checker song called Lazy Elsie Molly. And then the second one was our first top, top three song called Come a Little Bit Closer by Jay and the Americans. And then the basis of those, uh, of that success, we were signed to Screen Gems Columbia Music. Uh, um, Screen Gems and Columbia Pictures had just purchased uh, Nevin's Kirshner Music, which was the hottest uh, mu music publishing company out there, maybe of the whole decade. And so they, they purchased it and called it, uh, changed the name to uh, Screen Gems Columbia Music, and they opened a West Coast office where Tommy and I both lived. We had gotten the big break to, to each of us had gotten uh, deals with uh, New York publishers, and that's why we were in New York. But now, being signed with Screen Gems Columbia Music, we went back to LA and uh, started writing for them. When One you were of the there, first, first projects that they that they offered us uh, at Screen Gems was the Monkees. Oh, great. When you were there um, at the Brill Building, was uh, Carol King there with Jerry Goffin? Was it at that time? Yeah, they were, yeah, that's right. And uh, 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 Cynthia Wilde, Barry, Barry Mann, uh, Neil Sadaka, and, uh, and uh, whoever he was writing with at that time. I think it was, I can't remember. But yes, the greatest stable. I think what happened when uh, when the two producers of the monkeys came up with the idea they said to themselves well we can we can cast four new guys but the, the thing that's missing in our and uh, that we don't have control over and that is some great song writing but luckily uh, one of the two producers of, of a tv show um his father was the president of uh, Columbia Pictures and Screen Gems TV. So I don't know, I wasn't there, but I'm assuming that he told his father and his father said, no problem, we'll just, we'll just buy the, the hottest music publishing company of the decade. So they bought Nevin's Kirshner and became Screen Gems Columbia. Wow, that is so fascinating. I have a question as a music outsider, I don't write, you know, I write stories, but I don't write music. So do you, do you feel, um, did you feel pressured? Like if you were writing for the monkeys, did you have to write a new song every week or was there pressure, like a timeline, a deadline, or how can you come up with a masterpiece with a timeline? <laughs> well, uh, we, we met with them uh, in 65 before they had, the guys had been cast and before the show was sold. And uh, they said, yes, you, you guys have the gig. You can do the writing of the songs and the producing of the records. And, uh, but then when, and then of course, uh, Nevins Kirshner, even though we had a new name, was still uh, run by uh, uh, Donnie Kirshner. So they kept him on to, to run uh, Screen Gems Columbia Music. And he wasn't paying much attention to the project because it hadn't been sold to, to, a, 
to a television network. Once it was sold, then Donnie came out and um, he called us into his office, which was next door to our office uh, in, uh, in LA on Sunset. And he said, you guys have had hits as, uh, as songwriters, but you've never had any hits as producers. And this, this is too big a project now for us to be to take a chance on you guys. So I gotta, I gotta get some big names. Of course, we were shattered because we had been working on it for a year. We had written the theme from the monkeys. We had written uh, the three songs for the pilot, uh, which he was gonna, he was happy with the songs, but he just wanted some uh, hit, a hit producer. So he went to, uh, he started with Mickey Most in England, who was hot at the time, producing Donovan and and uh, several others. And he didn't like the song. He sent him our songs, and they, his version came back, of the productions came back, and Donnie didn't like it. Uh, and so then he tried some other local people, like, uh, uh, I can't think of the names right now, but some of the local hit producers, and he didn't like anything that he had heard. And now we're getting close to the television show debuting in September. We're now in July. So Tommy knocked on his door, knocked on his next door to us office and said, uh, you know, it's getting pretty close now. You have nothing in the can uh, song wise. And I, we, so we made him a proposition. We said, uh, I've got my band that I play with, you know, it was moonlighting at night in local clubs. And I said, let me take the candy store profits into a little rehearsal studio. Uh, we'll work up two or three of the songs that we've written and, and this will be our protection to show to you. Come down and see what, if you like it, then give us our, our job back. If not, you only cost you about $15 for the, for the studio for an hour. Wow. So he agreed, he came down. We played him last time to Clarksville and a couple of other rec songs that we had and that we'd worked up uh, the arrangement for. And he was blown away and he said, go book the studio, you guys are back on the project. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, wow. How was it behind the scenes? Did you get along with the, with the actual actors that played the monkeys? We did. Uh, we, our, most of our time was spent uh, in the studio for doing the, the records mm -hmm. with either Mickey or Actually, I'll tell you a story just before that. The, when I when we first met Monkeys, our first meeting is when uh, they sold the project and they they had sold it with Tommy and I singing the songs and them lip syncing. Mm. So once it was sold, they wanted to get our names off and the actual Monkeys voices on. So mm -hmm. They said go in the studio and do that. So we all we showed up to the studio. They came in all four of them on time, uh, and we had had some little. Of, getting together, uh, getting to know each other time. And then we said, we, we better get started. So we went in the studio and take one, we'd given them the lyric sheets and the back, they had the tapes to practice with, but we looked at it and there was nothing coming out uh, of the studio. So they were still fooling around and having a good time. And that went on about three times. And after that, we just dismissed the session. We, were, we thought we were professionals and they were just not taking it seriously. And uh, as we left the studio, I said to Tommy, the new rule from now on is we'll only deal with, we'll only bring one monkey into the studio at a time. So, <laughs> can control it. so that's one pretty monkey. much how, how we worked. We, all uh -oh. the instrumental tracks. Um, 
in the daytime and, and they would be shooting, of course, during the daytime and we'd get them over to, we would call for either Mickey or Davey because we would be writing a song particularly geared toward one or the other. And we would get them about nine o'clock at night. We'd teach them the song and put on the vocal. Everything else would have been finished, including the background voices and so on. And so we, we knew Mickey and Davey well. And then across town, uh, Dolan's, Mickey, uh, Michael Dolan's, I'm sorry, <laughs> Michael Nesmith was, uh, had written his own songs, was writing his own, was yeah. producing his own uh, cuts for the album. Right. So we didn't have contact with a, a little bit. We had Peter come in on a couple of songs that we had done, but mostly uh, our work was with Mickey and Davey. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. I, I briefly met him once. I, I was in a play with his daughter, Amy, and he came and he was so nice to everybody. He seems yeah, like a very a guy. down to earth. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, was, and so was Davey. Unfortunately, he passed us several years yeah, ago. Yeah. He was so he cute. Was a, he was a wonderful guy too. Yeah. I had one of their albums. I was a Davy Jones fan. I love him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to watch their show every Saturday. I think it was on Saturday morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was the second time through because the original show was on Monday nights, I think. Okay. Pretty sure. Okay. So I then we started putting, putting them on a few years later on Sunday mornings. Yeah. For you I, young kids. I know Michael Nesmith was a, a songwriter too. And one of my idols growing up was Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. And I know uh, you wrote a song that she covered that was a real big hit, uh, uh, Hurt So Bad, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, that was a big hit for her. Wow. It, was, it, was, it was actually, it, was, it went to number, number nine uh, three different times in three different decades by three different artists. Wow. Little Anthony and the Imperials. Uh, in 65 and in 70 uh, was uh, The Letterman, went to number nine, and then Linda, Ronst Linda Ronstadt's version uh, huh. hit the charts in, in 1980. Wow. That's a, that's the kind of song that you want to write, right? That keeps yeah. on giving? <laughs> that yeah, that everybody keeps, uh, it's so good that everybody wants to cover it. I yeah. missed that one, but I saw on your website, I was poking around on your website, that um, we have a little something in common. You wrote the theme for Days of Our Lives. Yeah, that was that was the second uh, interview that after after uh, Lester Sell, our boss at Screen Gems, uh, sent us over to meet with the Monkees producers, and he sent us over to meet with meet with Bed Ted and Betty Corday, who were an older couple who had a lot of success with soap operas, and they said we're doing a new one called Days of Our Lives, and. Uh, we had they had they said we just my wife and I had just seen uh, a, a show on Broadway that they loved the they loved the song called uh, Sunrise Sunset and they said can you do us something like that so Tommy and I basically considered ourselves short order cooks of the business of the music business and uh, so we said sure we could give you something like that so we came back and they they hated it and uh, and uh, so. We did a second one to give us another chance, and they did. And uh, Tommy and I were in the recording studio when we got the call from Lester Sill saying they hated that one even more. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and Tommy said to me, uh, forget these guys. They don't know what they want. They asked for something. We gave it to them. Right. Uh, we need to just be writing hit songs. And so I said, okay, Tommy, but um, before we throw it away, uh, there's a Hammond B3 organ over there in the corner in the studio. Just go in and uh, and start the tape, and I will. I'll just play some things that, some music, 
original music, but it'll kind of be reminiscent of the kind of music that I would hear the organ play when my on my mother's soap operas when I was just growing up yeah. years before. So that's what we did, and uh, that's what's been playing on the air for 56 years, wow. five days a week on NBC. Yeah, Kelly had uh, worked on Days of Our Lives, and so she was really excited when she heard that you wrote the theme song for it. Wow. <laughs> cool. I mean, it just gave me a little bit of some kind of uh, tie to you. Um, yeah. But yeah. What, what did, who did you play on Days of Our Lives? Well, I started out, you know, they start you out just playing like a one-liner, uh -huh. And then they keep me if if they like you, they keep making the parts bigger. And I ended up playing Deidre Hall's secretary. And then the, they were trying to match me with a love interest on the show to make me a regular. But right. I came down with an illness and couldn't continue my career. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun. I yeah, played good for your resume. Yeah, it was <laughs> for a couple of years. I was on the show, and uh, right. you know, it, it, I if I was going to act. And I know it's not soap operas aren't the best considered the most respectful uh, job as an actor. That's what I wanted to do. I had dated a guy in my 20s who was a main character on Santa Barbara, a soap opera. And I just thought that was such a neat lifestyle because we'd be running, doing his lines in the car on the way to dinner. And, um, you know, he'd get up the next morning and go work all day. And then we'd go out that night. And I just thought that was kind of a more normal lifestyle. Yeah. And it's a real secure gig. You have regular hours. Yeah. It's like yeah. a... Banker's hours, as they call it. I, I thought I made it. That was it for me. I was really happy with the Days of Our Lives gig. Yeah, and a lot of big stars came out of there. Worked on worked on soap yeah. operas. Yeah, that, yeah. that's true. Well, it's, pad. it's um, you know, you really have to be on because they don't do rehearsal. There's no yeah. rehearsal. We might you if I was lucky, I'd get to run lines in the makeup chair if the wow. other actor was there that I was doing a scene with. If they weren't around, and that was it. You just get on set and do your thing. You get one take. Yeah, so it was good so, practice. Yeah. Bobby, I have a songwriting question for you because a lot of our listeners and viewers are songwriters, and sure. I am myself too. So uh, my songwriting partner wanted me to ask you. He said, uh, "Ask Bobby if uh, you ever had conflicts with Tommy, like about the way a song was going to go, and if you did, how did you resolve them? Um, did you guys ever have conflicts?" <laughs> Say that again. Did you guys ever have conflicts about like, yeah. oh no, I want this lyric, I want that yeah. lyric? <laughs> we had both uh, written solo. In other words, uh, I wrote uh, by myself and he wrote by himself when we got together. And so we both knew how to write music and how to write lyrics. And so basically it was just fun time uh, bouncing off each other. And, uh, and we, you know, the, the goal is always the best out for the to get the best outcome no matter who True. said it uh, or who has more lines than the other person it was never looked at like that it was just throw out the stuff oh that's great that sounds good put that leave that no that's you great. can do better than that you know those kind of conversations that's great it sounds like you guys didn't have a lot of your ego was not involved it was more about the outcome of the song right yeah that's got to be if that's your job i mean you mm -hmm. want the, the best product you can get that's good um i know uh I spoke of Barry earlier. You guys wrote a song together. It was like a million selling song. He told me it was called, uh, gosh, uh, what was it called? Uh, I Need You. I Need You, that's it. <laughs> it was it was a, a hit in about, uh, I think, uh, 10, at least 10 European countries. Big hit in, uh, it was it was uh, recorded by a guy named Demis Roussos, who was a, who was a giant European star. 
a, a Greek fellow uh, with a very uh, uh, outstanding and uh, remarkable voice. Wow. And so we can't take all the credit for it, but yes, it was <laughs> nice to, uh, to it, have that success, even though it wasn't local. His interpretation was great, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I was also reading on your website that you are a big fan of country music, as am I. And uh, I wanted to know, do you do you listen to it a lot? Do you, uh, was that a route you were going to take before you got into, uh, you know, writing pop music? No, I, I, well, in a way, um, I always, you know, Tommy and I both grew up listening to the, Op the Grand Ole Opry every Saturday night and being mm -hmm. big fans of country. And that, that was our background. But we both wanted to be pop stars, not country stars. Uh, <laughs> and now they're kind of the same, usually. I mean, it, country yeah, music you is can't really. Yeah, apart now. <laughs> yeah. But in those days, you could. Right. But it was a big, uh, one of the biggest thrills in our career was when uh, we were asked to appear at the, on the Opry. And so. Wow, uh, that is a big honor. That's huge. Yeah, it was. And so we did. Uh, we did our hits, and even though, of course, it was a country western op uh, audience, they knew our songs and uh, really responded well to it. And then we had, we, we had prepared. I did uh, my version of Hank Snow doing one of his songs, and Tommy did his version of uh, 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 Kitty, uh, whatever her name was. She was the, the top uh, country lady singer at the time, and she had this tremolo, so Tommy did it this way when he was singing. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so it was fun. We did some, you know, a couple of skits along with our hits. Yeah, that's great. I heard you're really good at uh, the organ. You're a really good organ player, and that you were asked to go on tour with uh, Leon Russell. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, when Le when Leon was putting together uh, the Mad Dogs and Englishmen tour, which was, uh, oh, I can't think of that English uh, uh, singer's name. Uh, is it, uh, what's his name? Joe. Guy, Joe, uh, Joe, oh, what is his name that they used to imitate on Saturday Night Live all the time? Joe Cocker. <laughs> is it Joe Cocker? Joe Cocker, there he is. <laughs> yeah, it was, he was, it was his first uh, big tour in the States, and uh, Leon put together a great band, and he called me up one morning and said, I want you to, to uh, come along with us on this tour. And uh, you'll sit uh, behind the Hammond B3, and you'll 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 sing uh, you'll sing uh, Turn on Your Love Light. Leon used to come out. Uh, we had been friends for quite some time, and he would often come out to the local uh, honky tonks where I would be playing around L.A. And uh, he would come in with his entourage, which would oftentimes double the size the size of the crowd. Wow. <laughs> and. Wow. Uh, and so he liked uh, that and he wanted me to come along and, and be part of it. But unfortunately, uh, I, w I wasn't up for it because, uh, you know, Tommy and I were working in uh, uh, conflicting uh, dates and so on. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, that would have been a very interesting tour, I'm sure. It would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they uh, it, it, was a, it was a documentary that came out, too. Oh, you're in demand. Bobby, yeah. um, and also I read you were in the Musicians Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that, That's on I, your website. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what that is. Musicians Hall of Fame. Well, well that we'll website, that website is uh, 
is taken care of by Tommy's widow, Caroline Boyce, and I'm sure she wouldn't have put it on if it's not true. Right. She. We're going to fact check that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fact checker. Um, what is your website? It's what, uh, uh, Boyce, it's just Boyce and Heart. Official, official, official voice and heart. Official, com. official yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. We're going to list that Everybody below. Wants to look it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the history. And um, you wrote a book? Or you, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. About you or? Yeah. My, uh, I did my, my first memoir about, I think it came out in 2015. It did very well. It was number one uh, in our category on Amazon for several weeks. Uh, and right now I'm writing a second book, just finishing up a second book with my same co-writer, Glenn Ballantyne. And this book is uh, is a self-improvement book, un totally unlike the first one, which is all the stories. We have the stories one, in the second one too, but not that that was a memoir of the stories of the songs and so on. I think the first one was called Psychedelic Bubblegum, right? That's it. Psychedelic yeah. Bubblegum. Psychedelic bubble it's not because of uh, drugs uh, <laughs> or, or chewing gum. It's because of the music, because Tommy and I were known at that time as, as the kings of bubblegum. Right. In fact, somebody wrote a hit song called Bubblegum Music, and the verse starts out, Tommy Boyce and Valerie Hart, wonder what she's doing while the monkeys are singing about Valerie. So we were the kings <laughs> of bubblegum, and then we, wow. when, we, when we shifted back to the West Coast, we got influenced by the new music that was coming out in the second half of the 60s. Uh, by the doors down, we would be at the Whiskey Go Go and a number of other kinds of acts, and we were picking up and using those kinds of uh, feedback guitar and uh, and uh, Indian instrumental sounds and so on, and we're incorporating those in our in our uh, in our production. And so I said in the book that uh, more a more accurate description of our production style would be psychedelic bubblegum. Aha. Uh -huh. okay. And it's available on Amazon, right? It is, yeah. You can if anybody wants there. to go, you know, buy one, um, it's available on Amazon. I'm seeing that on your website or through your website, I guess. Yeah, you can buy it through the website. Yeah. And I think okay. your new book will come out next year, 2021, you think? Yeah, we're, we're hoping to have it out uh, early next year. Good. We need some uh, some good uh, entertainment for the new year, you know, yeah. to take us out of 220. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, oh, let's get done with 220. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, let's see. I also heard an interesting story about Bobby Kennedy and 18 and the right to vote. What what, what was that all about? Uh, two different stories. One is that oh. Tommy and I did support Robert Kennedy in his uh, in his uh, run for um, for election. Uh, unfortunately, it ended sadly with his assassination. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, we had uh, been asked to be the celebrity spokespersons, Tommy and I, for a movement called LUV, which stands for Let Us Vote. And the campaign was to mm -hmm. uh, change the voting age in, in, the, in the country from 18 to 21, mm -hmm. or from 21 to 18. Mm -hmm. and allow this 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to vote. And at the time, the, the Vietnam War was still raging, and 18-year-olds were being drafted. Yeah. And so we felt that was a good cause. And so we started promoting it at our uh, before and during our concerts and on our television and print uh, interviews and radio interviews and so on. And uh, with the help of a lot of 
lot of people. We actually went to Washington and lobbied our uh, our Congress people and our senators. That's and, great. Uh, and so it, it actually happened, I believe, in 1971. We, they bumped it down to 18. Wow, that's great. I love, when, I love when people get involved. Well, you know, it's been so wonderful talking to you today. Uh, we actually um, are going to be running out of time in a minute. <laughs> so uh, maybe we could have you back another time if, if your schedule permits. Okay. Yeah, when your new book comes out, maybe you can come and share that with us and tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I'm thank so glad you, we can make this work. Yeah, thank you, Bobby, yeah. so much. Thanks, what an thanks, honor thanks, to thanks. meet you. So excited. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. My All friends right. are going to be so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, yeah. Bobby. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.